It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam and Josh Wolmer. We are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, I'm pretty sure you're doing good. That's usually how these things roll, but I'd actually like to talk to Josh here. Um, so we've got Josh in here for a little bit of a test drive, see how he how he feels it out, if he likes working with us. If everything works well, he might join us for some of the days that we want to take off this year. So, you know, we're not, Brandon and I aren't both going seven days a week for the first four months of the season and having nervous breakdowns in the middle of the summer. So Josh, why don't you tell us a little about it yourself? All right. Well, I am a huge baseball fan, a diehard Red Sox fan, love the sport in general. I am actually a a fan of all major sports in America. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a very fun experience. Absolutely. Well, again, we are very excited to have you with us, Josh. Let's go ahead and talk about the big headline of the day here. And that is the Dodgers and the White Sox make a scarily big move for the last week of spring training. Brandon? Yes. uh, The Dodgers and White Sox, quite a big trade that comes through right at about 11 a.m. today. And it is a straight up one for one trade. Dodgers sending A.J. Pollock to the White Sox in return for Craig Kimbrell. There is no money going either way. Uh, It is just a straight-up one-for-one move. Uh, And initially, my my thoughts on this is that, look, the Dodgers realize that they already have so much on offense that they can make a trade like this in what might be a net negative when it comes to, like, war or any of those stats— you need guys in the back end of the, the bullpen. If you can get Craig Kimbrell for a guy like A.J. Pollock, who can't believe I'm saying this, but in the Dodgers' mind, is a pretty replaceable guy at this point in the, in the grand scheme of things. You know, why not make this move uh, and just improve a part of your team that uh, needed some upgrading? Yeah, this really, again great fit for in a lot of different ways of course the Dodgers really that was the only piece that you were kind of questioning about this team is is Blake Trinan really a closer at this point in his career is he that guy he's not certainly not Kenley Jansen who you're who he would have been replacing with and so now they find that 
opportunity, that replacement for him in Craig Kimbrell. And that's a pretty darn good replacement. I think the biggest winner of this trade, though, is A.J. Pollock. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. I think he is the next the next Jock Peterson, the next Kike Hernandez. All of these guys, they barely get to play or they barely get noticed, at least. It's more about recognition because of all the stars in L.A. They struggle with that so much that they fall way under the radar. All of a sudden, they go out of that mindset. They go out of that Dodgers sphere. They get more regular at bats, more consistent, and you feel comfortable about being in the lineup every single day, and you get more comfortable. You get out of the way of all that star power, these Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Trey Turners. Get away from that. Everyone's going to start noticing you more. So both your play and your brand take a big step up. Overall, it has always felt like the Dodgers fans didn't really like A.J. Pollock because he was he was their big their big offseason piece a couple of years ago in a very weak offseason for them. That's not his fault. But now he gets a chance to really get that fresh start somewhere and break out. You know, I, I feel like this is a kind of a loss to the White Sox. This is the one thing that kind of hurts me. Uh, well, hurts the White Sox. This is another righty bat in what is already a righty heavy lineup. You got Robert, Jimenez, Anderson, Abreu. I mean, you, now you're adding Pollock. That's already five righties. You already got Moncada at third. You got Grandalbe on the plate. They're both switch hitters. But you really needed another lefty bat to add to that lineup. I was expecting the White Sox to make a bid at Michael Conforto, who has finally opened up free agent discussions. But, I mean, Pollock, he actually had a, a, a comeback season last year. He was finally relevant once again, a player that actually appeared in the lineup. And now he gets a fresh scene to go and do some work in a lesser-known market. I feel like maybe he can make a little something happen there. And for Campbell, this solidifies their bullpen. You no longer have to question who's going to be their closer, whether it's going to be Trent or Gratterall. It's going to be Kimbrell. And Kimbrell, last season when he was the official closer for the Cubs, he was one of the most dominant guys in the bullpen in all of MLB. So this could be another chance for him just to solidify that case. That he is one of the best closers in the game today. Another thing that's kind of going underrated with this whole situation, this move, is losing Craig Kimbrell from that bullpen. Because now that is, what, three significant losses to what felt like this team's strength. I mean, yes, you still have Liam Hendricks. Yes, to go out and get Kendall Graveman. But Ryan Tapera is no longer there. Craig Kimbrell is now not there by your own choice. And I think the biggest thing, the thing that really kind of gelled that bullpen together because he was so versatile and you could use him in so many different ways, Michael Kopech's going to the rotation this year. Great move for him, but overall, that's not – I don't think that necessarily breeds depth for your bullpen, a thing that really helped you get to the playoffs last year. And another thing is they actually lost Garrett Crochet, but it could be mm-hmm. for the season. Tommy John could be on the way for him. So that's another big bullpen arm, even though he's just lefty. The guy is a complete firearm. He, he could honestly break 102 in the coming seasons based on how good he is as a left-handed pitcher. Absolutely. Hmm? Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, and, you know, it is not the best look for the White Sox having so many right-handed bats in, in the lineup. I like that Josh brought that up. Uh, but now you look at this outfield and a trio of Jimenez, Robert, and A.J. Pollock. I mean, that's that stacks up with most of the teams uh, when you're talking about the best outfields there. I mean, that's three really, really good hitters, guys that are going to be up uh, in, you know, the 900 OPS range, potentially all three of them. Uh, We've seen, you know, uh, AJ Pollock 892 last year, certainly Jimenez and Robert have the power to get there. Uh, I think that this is certainly an ad for the White Sox lineup but yeah there this uh this bullpen now it is a little scary of course you do add a Kendall Graveman in free agency prior to the lockout but really interested to see how this trickles down um and affects the the pitching staff for the White Sox which was so good last year all right well let's move to another NL West team here, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They gave a two-year extension with an additional option year to Merrill Kelly. Merrill Kelly has spent the last three years since age 30 
with the team. Overall, he's finished those three years with a 102 OPS plus, or excuse me, ERA plus, cheese him. Um, that would be that would be pretty impressive on the pitching end to go and look at a 102 OPS plus guy. But yeah, this is about uh, guaranteed $18 million in that two in those three years through 2025. So this certainly a great opportunity for Merrill Kelly, just kind of odd with the way that Arizona has talked over the past couple of weeks. Of course, we talked about whether Cattell Marte was necessarily available and what's going on there for them to go and lock up an arm for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, two years, 18 mil for the extension. And it's a guy who's 33. So it's not like you're going to be extending him any much longer than that. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, also, a guy that came over from the KBO, remember, um, when they originally signed him, and has been solid. He was honestly pretty good in 2019 and 2020. 2021, he did take a little bit of a step back. Uh, we saw the walk numbers jump up from what it was in 2020, but Overall, a guy that is a solid pitcher, you could slot him in as a as a, th- a weak three or strong four in your rotation. And uh, with this extension, it certainly takes his name off the trade market for now. And another big move that came in terms of the extension front is the Blue Jays go ahead and give their manager, Charlie Montoyo, another. Of course, this also laden with options. But this also keeps him potentially with the Blue Jays through 2025. Brandon, do we feel like this is the, and and Josh too, of course, do we feel like this is the best move for this organization? I'm just, I'm just so turned off by the way that last season ended for the Blue Jays that I'm not sure I would necessarily rush to bring him back in. Yeah, uh, I'll say yes. I I can keep my answer short. uh, Definitely. Yeah, I think it's the right move. I, I like where Toronto's heading. Josh? Uh, honestly, I, I I'm not a fan of Charlie Montoyo. I think he made a lot of mistakes in the first three months of last season, taking pictures out way too early and going to his bullpen. That was scary to say the least in the wrong way. That I feel like that was the only reason why they didn't make the postseason. I mean, you're talking about a team that had two MVP final, finalists. The Cy Young winner, you still don't make it to the postseason. I, I don't see Montoya being all that special. I mean, yes, he d- he's this is already passed three years as a manager for the Blue Jays. He brought them from a losing record to a winning record. I, I don't think he's anything that special. But, hey, he is a former major league player, even though he played in like a handful of games. He knows what it takes to win. He figured things out in the second half of last season. He's just got to pull a full season together now and show that he's actually a good manager. Yeah. And I think that's the benefit of the option years too, is like worst case scenario, you can be free of this guy after next season. Look, I just, again, I'm not quick to extend a guy who allowed his entire team to melt down over a lineup card. Ultimately they missed the playoffs because of a lineup card that that shows mental lack of mental toughness from the team. And that extends as much to the manager. Now, we also have another change on the umpiring side coming in today as umps will now be wearing microphones and they will be announcing the decisions of replay review. Guys, this seems like a good step in the right direction towards transparency. Absolutely. You know, we see this in, I think, all the other three sports. I know it's definitely in football, definitely in basketball. And I think in the NHL, the refs do wear mics also. Um it's, it's about time. You know, there's some really confusing plays that happen in baseball where even it leaves the commentators who watch hundreds of games and have seen thousands of games in their lifetime, leaves them confused as to what they're actually reviewing, what is actually happening. So I love this. I mean, hopefully the umpires, you know, give good descriptions on what is happening. It, it, you know, it seems to go good in other sports, but... This is a big, big W for, for the league for finally uh, doing this. I agree. This was long overdue. The reason why it has been in, brought in just yet was because how scared the umpires really were to have a mic on them. But 
finally, this is going to fix a big problem. And that was what some of these reviews actually might be for and what they're seeing. Because sometimes you're looking at television, you see conclusive evidence that could overturn a call and then it's not overturned. If the umpires explain what they see or if that it's inconclusive, it might ease a bit of the fans having to boo the umpires so much and think that it costs them the game. Obviously, they have the most looks that can show if the call was right or not. But this is finally going to fix a big issue. What a call really is, what they saw, fans can finally be put at ease, questioning everything that comes their way. It takes out a lot of the fun of being a fan at a stadium, though, if you're not booing the rat and booing the umpires, though. Yeah, you, got, you got other reasons, too. You got other <laughs> reasons, too. That's like LJ's biggest thing for why he doesn't want robo umps is because oh well now we can't get mad at the umps anymore like there's nothing there's yeah that that whole human interaction is just gone i mean i've completely like i've changed a lot of the robo umps just partially space of play but also i forget what game no it was that giants dodgers game that just pissed me off at the in the playoffs last year that finally swayed me but I digress. I think it's, are we good? Did anyone else have anything to add before we move into our main topic? Yeah, we're going to go ahead and go through, I came up with this idea earlier in the week. I would like to think through all of our ideas in terms of who's going to be the best player at each position this season. That doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, we just went through our top 10 at each position. This doesn't mean that they're the most talented player. Who is going to be the best performer at each position by the end of the year? So we're going to go ahead and predict Let's go ahead and start with starting pitching. Um, I made my list admittedly yesterday, so part of me wants to change this now, but did anyone else end up with Jacob deGrom as their top starter to end the year? Uh, I did, but I see Josh shaking his head no. Well, let's go through the Jacob deGrom part first. Um, Look, this guy's just a stud. This guy is the most dominant pitcher in the game. And if we end up missing out on him, we will talk more about his MRI on Monday once we have a little more understanding of what exactly is going on, but it doesn't look like he'll start opening day. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's a shame if we miss any time with Jacob DeGrom because he's such a special talent. I don't see anyone else in this league that can really step to him when he's at his best. Yeah, I didn't really feel like a getting cute here. Uh, You certainly could pick a bunch of other names, and I'm probably wrong by saying that he'll be the best pitcher just based on his uh, injury history, but it feels wrong to not pick him, especially if he does have another fantastic season. Yeah, that's what persuaded me from going to the Grom. His injury history and the fact that he already hurt again. He hasn't looked sharp all spring training. I actually am going with the guy who was hurt for most of last season. And Shane Beaver, the guy is absolutely filthy. He was spectacular in 2020. He was very good in 2019. We we, we almost couldn't get, get the seam last year because his arm couldn't stay healthy. But now he's back healthy. He looks great in spring training. He's also in a pretty weak division, so he's going to get a lot of really good starts. That's going to make him look very good by the end of the season. I think this is a big bounce back year for him. I think he's going to be incredible. And his stuff looks incredibly sharp from everything I've seen from him during spring training. This guy knows his shit right here. <laughs> Love hyping, it. Me up, hyping me up these <laughs> Shane Bieber takes. Absolutely living for it. Let's go ahead and move on to some relievers. I'll go ahead and let's start with Brandon for his pick. Brandon, who are you going with top reliever? Uh, I went a little off the cuff here. I picked Rysel Iglesias. Uh, I was so impressed with his 2021, especially when you consider that the Angels were not a good team. And not even when you look at like saves and, and all that, but... I think he had the most games finished out of everyone in the league, which is surprising to me for a guy that, 
you know, if your team is not that good, you're not usually asked upon in the ninth inning, um, especially if you're down. But it was a guy who came up big in a lot of really, really high leverage uh, situations for them this year. And honestly, a guy that kind of gets overlooked when you're talking about that elite, elite group of relief pitchers and I think that if the Angels could somehow put together a nice offensive season where everyone stays somewhat healthy I think that he could not only be the league leader in saves but also win the reliever of the year award all right I'm actually staying with the same team I got Emmanuel Clashay as my reliever of the year all I gotta say is a hundred plus mile an hour cutter that pitch is extremely hard to hit. The swing and miss rate last year was insane. The guy is now going to be their full-time closer. He's not going to be splitting time with uh, James Karinchek. Uh, this is going to be the year of Cloche. He is going to be incredible. He's going to make the All-Star team this year. He, I honestly see him possibly being a chance to be the reliever of the year or Cy Young this year because of how good he is and how much they're going to rely on him to go in that ninth and he locked down that save. Absolutely. Again, talk about one of the more exciting arms. Uh, where does he end up on our list? I do have that pulled up when we did our top pitchers, relief pitchers. He was third, LJ. He was third. Yeah, again, at his Iglesias age. Iglesias was fourth. To be third behind a couple of really good guys and like Liam Hendricks and this next guy I'm going to talk about, the best reliever of the year. I feel very boring with my first two picks. I get a little more cute coming up, but it's Josh Hader. Look, this is one of the most dominant strikeout guys in the league. He's proving time and time again that he can be a closer. He can come in those big those big innings and he can also do it consistently now. He's not having to you're not having to worry about pitching him in back-to-backs and how his arm is going to feel like you did early on. The bigger thing for me is this is year 2 with the changeup. I mean, he incorporated that into his game last year so seamlessly and I just I can't see that repertoire and that mix being any worse like it's just going to keep getting better well moving on let's go to the catchers we do have a former catcher here to lead off our uh talk conversation i believe josh who's your top catcher at the end of the year oh i'm actually even realizing who i was catcher uh i got jt real muto um th- this is going to be one of the years where you see a stats spike and that's because the lineup now in Philadelphia is going to be so formidable. You got Castellanos, Harper, uh, they got Schwarber now. There, there's other guys in there. I'm obviously forgetting Hoskins as well. It's finally going to be time that you see him get more RBIs, get more extra base hits. And that's because he's had so much of a load on his back, being paid so much money in such a tiny uh, lineup where there's not much hitting. That now all that is going to be put at rest, and he's finally going to let himself ease up. He's going to be able to go put up some incredible stats, could hit close to 300 this year. And you know what? He also might be the best defensive catcher in the game. So you got a, a complete guy right here, a full tool player that I feel like you can't put him elsewhere, and he's definitely going to be the everyday catcher. I feel like there's quite a few catchers this year that you might say could play a little bit of DH because they're not so great defensively, but Real Muto is that guy that I want behind the plate every single day. Now, I very nearly almost went for Real Muto a lot because of the lineup protection and everything that that brings. But I decided to go with another guy because he has exactly that in addition to coming closer and closer to his physical prime. This is the year of Will Smith. Look, this guy has already been an all-star level catcher for these Dodgers. He just won best actor. I mean, this is the absolute time for him. This is his opportunity. This is his chance to really push himself up to, I think everybody still has JT Real Muto as that number one. I think by the end of the year, we're talking 1A, 1B between these two guys. That's how much talent, pure talent this guy has. Yeah, LJ, I went the same way. I mean... You're talking about a guy getting into his age 27 season, was a former first-round pick, and in the three years he's played, I mean, only 221 games. He's got 48 homers, uh, 892 career OPS. 
just a really, really good hitting catcher and a guy that has brought quite a bit of value behind the plate as well. Uh, I think he could really uh, get into a groove this season and we could uh, see him starting in the All-Star game, uh, potentially getting MVP votes even with just all the protection he's going to have in that in that lineup he could potentially be hitting like sixth or seventh which is crazy to talk about the guy who's the best at his spot to be hitting that far down the lineup but that's the LA Dodgers for you so all right moving on to first base I am very excited about this guy I'm again gonna start getting cute here Pete Alonso is going to be the best first baseman in the league this year you talk about lineup protection. That's another very real thing. This team is going to be much better this year than in years past. But just looking at the change from his sophomore slump to 2021, his bat-to-ball skills have improved considerably in this last year, Added adding that to the still insane power that Pete Alonso brings to the game. This is his year to really show, show up again. This is going to be... I'm putting my seal of approval on this right now. Write this down. 45 homers plus for Pete Alonso this year. I feel vi- I, I feel really good on saying that he's going to jump up. Again, I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be the guy that you put number one. I'm not going to necessarily put him one or two past Vladdy or Freddie Freeman when we talk about a larger sample size and who I'd rather have. But Pete Alonso will be the best first baseman this year. All right, I got a little bit cute with this one. I highly doubt that many people had this guy in the top 10 at this position. But I'm going with Jared Walsh of the Los Angeles Angels. I like that. The guy guy last year quietly had a solid season for a guy who was splitting time with Albert Pujols to begin the year. Once that position became his, he ran away with it and was extremely good. You remember in the All-Star game, he wasn't at first base. That's because he had to play the outfield position. But this is going to be his position to keep for the rest of the season. This whole entire year, it's going to be his first base unless he gets hurt. Guy very nearly hit 30 home runs last year. Hit around 280, which is really good for that position, considering that that is a position we see a lot of strikeouts at. And he still is on the up and rise with all those extra base hits. He's a pretty good defensive first baseman as well. The guy is a sweet swing. He can hit lefty-lefty, too, so you don't have to worry about matchups. I'm expecting Jared Walsh to have a fantastic season and finally get some eyes towards him because he's very underrated, even, even especially at a first-base position that's stacked with some other really good players there. I really like that pick of Jared Walsh. I actually did put him number 10 in my top 10 for first baseman, uh, but you're right. It is certainly loaded at this spot. And the guy I'm going to take recently switched teams, and that is Matt Olson of the Atlanta Braves. A lot of people forget uh, this guy was eighth in MVP voting last year. Very casually put up 39 homers, 111 RBIs, and a 153 OPS plus, only missing six games out of the whole season. But since he plays in Oakland, no one cared. No one saw that. So... This is his time to break out. I mean, and to be fair, to cut you off here, the one Oakland Athletics fan did care very much about that season. Yes, and He's a singular Oakland Athletics fan. <laughs> and and the thing is, is like, I don't even think it's right for me to say that he's gonna break out, but he's gonna finally get his name known that like, oh, Matt Olson is actually one of the best first basemen in the league. And I think he could put up very similar stats to what he did last year, which in most seasons would make you the best first baseman in the league, except we have guys like Vladdy who just, who just break, break the stats sometimes. So I like, uh, you know, I'm pretty high on Matt Olson. I think switching teams and uh, going to a little more of a hitter friendly park for him uh, could help him out big time. It's amazing to see the entire group not go with the guy who I feel is also bound to uh, end up with a triple crown by the end of his career in Vladdy Guerrero Jr. But Brandon, who you have at second base? Second base was second base was incredibly hard, and 
you know, here's the thing. You look at the the guys that are there at the top, and it's like you got your Simeons and, uh, you know, some people throwing Ozzy Albies, Altuve. I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to get cute again here uh, and go with another guy that is pretty underrated. How about Brandon Lau of the Rays? Another guy who – has come in the top 10 in MVP voting each of the last two seasons and made the all-star game uh, in 2019. I don't know how he didn't make it in 2021, but regardless, uh, the hitting stats are there. Defensively, he started to uh, to pick it up a little bit. There's still some room for improvement there as well. And just a guy who's a line drive hitter. And we saw the line drives go down a little bit, actually, in 2021. And the uh, ground balls go up a little bit. So there's still room there for uh, more line drives to come from him. And just a guy with that in that raise system, they clearly love him because... They signed him through like 2024 on that really weird contract a few years ago. I love me some Brandon Lau, and I think that he's going to kill the AL East this year like he always does, and I'm, me, LJ, and Josh are going to have to sit there and, and uh, suffer. So, yeah, there you go. All right. I'm going to go with the player on a team that I will guarantee you, unless they're a fan of the team, nobody's going to care about them. They literally just imploded their whole entire team except for their main starting pitcher. I'm going with Jonathan India, the reigning NL Rookie of the Year. The guy is immensely talented. He's going into his age 25 season, was extremely good as a leadoff hitter for that Reds team. 21 homers, batted around 270, stole 12 bases. And you know what? At the leadoff position, those are really good numbers. You don't see players stealing bases too much nowadays, but this guy is the complete package. He's at least going to give the Reds some identity. I feel like this is going to be a guy who's going to have a really good season. He's going to bat over 300 and really steal some eyes because you're nobody's going to pay attention to them. They're really bad for baseball with what they just did, training away half their team. Literally, the players that gave that team an identity. I, I know I uh, Jonathan is going to be that guy. who This team is literally going to build around. He's just that special. Right. Um, first off, I'm going to preface my conversation with my answers, Ozzy Albies, if he would stop switch hitting. <laughs> I am honestly, I'm quickly becoming very anti-switch hitter because his numbers are just ridiculous. Well, for starters, he's got a 940 OPS as a left-handed hitter. And then we're talking about like 749 against right-handed pitching. Like... It's just the, the um, I just messed that up. I meant right, uh, left-handed pitcher as a le- going against left-handed. So as a righty, he's significant, so much better. It's just, it's not worth the focus. I ended up going with Trevor Story here for a number of reasons. Look, all right, stop. Brandon, you know what? I was trying not to be a homer. I was doing everything I could in my power to pick somebody else. I honestly wanted to go Marcus Simeon. And then I realized how terrible an idea that is because Marcus Simeon has spent the entirety of Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cold and flu season is not the best time to be stuck in a clinic waiting room. With Ogden Clinic's net check-in feature, you can schedule an urgent care visit from home. We'll provide an approximate arrival time so you can wait at home instead of our lobby. Visit ogdenclinic.com slash check-in to start using net check-in. His good years were all when he was either on the hot seat about to be traded from Oakland or on a contract year. So I feel like now that he has gotten his bag, now that he's gotten his long-term deal, where's the incentive for him to keep putting numbers up? So overall, I can't trust him. Meanwhile, we've seen the exact opposite with Trevor Story, which is very common, where a guy can't perform in a contract year, absolutely chokes. 
He's got financial security now, and he's going to a division with obscenely small parks compared to the NL West. So I'm expecting those home run totals to jack back up, and it's going to be an absolute field day for Trevor Story in a good lineup with good protection. Fantastic pick. Love that. All right, Josh, who are we thinking at third? All right, this is the homer pick, but it's still a smart pick. Rafael Devers. The guy is a freak of a hitter. Forget his defense. He's probably one of the worst defenders I've ever seen in the game of baseball. He can hit to all fields. You can't put a shift on him. He can hit for power. You can hit for contact. He's actually a really solid two-strike hitter. While the stats might not show it, Rafael Devers is one of the most productive hitters we have seen in the game of baseball over the past three seasons. This is going to be another year. I feel like this is going to be a bold prediction. Rafael Devers is finally going to eclipse the 40 home run mark this season. Great line of protection. He's going to be batting, if not second in the order like I expect him to be, at least third or fourth. He's going to get plenty of bats to do it. This is going to be another year for Rafael Devers, who is in a contract year, so he might outperform what he normally would just because he wants a lot of money. Absolutely. And don't don't rule out, too. Don't forget, he's spent his entire spring training working on getting those bunts down. Right. Add that extra wrinkle to his game. No, I also ended up taking Rafi. This wasn't me trying to be intentionally a homer. I just, I came down to, okay, who are who do I think are going to be the two best at the position? And I ended up with Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers. And then I considered how horrendous the lineup around Jose Ramirez is going to be. And the fact that the team is not going to be competitive. Overall, the guys the guys in the protection that Raphael Devers gets being in Boston is going to make him more successful than Jose Ramirez this season. That's not necessarily his Jose's fault, but if we're talking about the best performer, it'll be Rafi. I ended up going with Jose Ramirez. Uh, he's one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, more coming on Monday for that uh, as we do our favorite players episode, but just you are right. They're, the the Guardians' offense is going to be really bad. Like it is, it's scary to even think of a starting nine for them right now. But this guy remains the best third baseman in the league. LJ and I both ranked him number one, uh, and that was like one of the only spots that me and him agreed on with the third baseman. I mean, I think he's. My third baseman list was a hot mess, though. Yeah, they were both hot messes, but we but we both knew that we had to put Jose number one. And the 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 value he brings to you uh, defensively, and we've seen it year after year. I mean, the 2020 season, you could have argued he should have won MVP over Jose Abreu. He's come third in MVP in 2017 and 2018. Certainly has shown us that he can he can do it over a 600 plate appearance season, and uh, for a guy who stays relatively healthy, has never really had a big injury. Uh, I'm pretty confident of penciling him in at third base. If I could take any third baseman in like a one game thing, uh, I'm taking him. He he just brings so much value to you uh, in so many different aspects. Would you take him in home run derby X? Yes. Oh, yeah. Big fan of Home Run Derby X. I'm sure he is, too. All right. At shortstop, this is another splits-type situation. Carlos Correa will be the best shortstop in the league. Not going to go try try too hard with this one. He was already an elite shortstop over the last several years, and now you bring him to one of the parks he hits best in. He has had an absolute field day against the Twins in the past, and now he's going to get to hit there as his home as his home spot. It just overall, that's going to breed success for him. Also, the motivation of knowing if I play well enough, I can go to a contender at the All-Star break just adds even more to that for me. I went with Bo Bichette. He had a fantastic season last year. You don't hear about him enough. He very quietly led the AL in hits last year with 191. He batted 298. Just missed out on 30 home runs. Had over 100 RBIs and 25 stolen bases. That, very to me, is one of the best seasons I've seen from a shortstop in quite some time. And this is from a guy who legit plays shortstop only. 
He won't go to second base. He won't go to the outfield. He's a strict shortstop. He's also very good defensively. One of the flashiest players in the league entering his age 24 season. He's going to get that 30 home run mark. He's going to get to 40 doubles now. And he's continue to be one of the best hitters that you don't hear enough about in today's game. I love that pick. Uh, I personally did not pick him, but uh, if you're talking about uh, MVP odds, I think you could get some really nice odds on him to win the MVP this year, and is certainly a, a a candidate. Like you said, he's going into his age 24 season. He and he did that in his age 23 season. It's incredibly impressive what he's done. Uh, at shortstop, I also went with with a Carlos Correa. Uh, I think. Even though I wouldn't put him as a top two shortstop in the league right now, that's reserved to Tatis, even though he's hurt, and Trey Turner. Uh, I think that a Carlos Correa is really going to settle in with this Twins team. It seems that they're kind of building an identity there. They switched out a few guys and um, kind of have a squad. I mean, they got uh, Jorge Polanco, let's not forget, who's very good as well there in the infield. So they've got some guys in that in that lineup. They're going to hit a lot of home runs, and uh, it's going to be a really fun team to watch, honestly. And as uh, much as I hated watching Carlos Correa, he's so he's so much fun to watch. He's got such flashy, you know, fielding mechanics. His his arm is great. He's just a guy that you want to see out there and. It will be fun to watch him on the Twins. I probably said fun about 50 times there. But he's fun, LJ. He's fun. He's just a fun guy. He is. Brandon, is there a fun guy in left field for you? <laughs> so left field was the one position that LJ and, LJ and I both agreed on was the hardest to, to rank, I think. Um, and we both had Tyler O'Neill number one, but I, I feel like I just can't pick him. So I'm going to go Eloy Jimenez, I guess. And, you know, it's if he can put together a healthy season, and which is a big if, I think that this dude could be an MVP candidate. It's just he needs to be able to stay healthy not, you know, last year in spring training when he tried to rob a home run that was 20 feet over his head and tore his labrum. Um, you know, we need some smart choices being made. Stay healthy. Stay on the field. You have the potential to uh, be in one of the best players in the league. So, please, you're only 25. Come on now. You're about to get in your prime. This conversation also needs to be reserved for Fernando Tatis as well. Like, he also should be listening in on this. Josh, who are you thinking? All right. For me, this really wasn't too difficult to come up with the name. When I looked at all the left fielders in the league right now, I felt like this is actually a pretty weak position for a top two center fielder. I had two players on mine. One was Tyler O'Neill. The second is the player that I have who's going to have a comeback season, Christian Yelich, the former MVP. He had such a horrific season last year. It was a huge fall off for a guy who was so special and just unfortunately couldn't stay healthy in 2019 to be a back-to-back -back MVP. This is his season. This is time for him to come back and show why he was one of the greatest rising players we have seen in the past decade. The amount of growth that that guy had, starting from when he was with the Marlins to when he was traded to the Brewers and took off, was special. This is going to be his year. And you know what? This is going to be his time to show why he's still that guy. I don't feel like there's a lot of pressure on him. I feel like a lot of people are just showing a lot of uh, highlights on their pitching staff. That's taking the spotlight off of him for a little while. I think this could be a time for him to go right back to where he used to be. I, I fully agree with you. This is that that would be great for the game for if that happened. But y'all are sleeping on the actual guy here. You guys are all sleeping on the guy who I'm going to talk about. Certainly, I'm going to talk about him more Wednesday. But he's probably my dark horse AL MVP pick here. The best left fielder in the league this year is going to be Jesse Winker. Ooh. Uh, I know, you know I was considering him. 
It was. I know we're going into hot take territory here, but we're talking about a guy who had a 140 OPS plus while not being able to hit left-handed pitching last year. He finished with a slash line of 346, 428, 642 against righties compared to other people's splits in the league. That's 92% better than the league average. You now put him into a Seattle team where it's overall, that's a great lineup and he's going to certainly get very similar protection that he did with that Cincinnati offense last year. The difference is going to be they're of the main primary starters in that division that he'll go up against 13 of them are righties. And it's even more lopsided on the pitching or the relief side. Overall, the American league West is very righty dominated. He's just going to have a field day this year. Just tear through everybody. I guarantee it. Well, um, I can start off with center field and this might be pretty easy. Yeah. So I'm actually not picking Mike Trout. Um, I can't. Sorry. We're going to go with Byron Buxton. Um, Love that pick. Love that pick. Yes, Josh. As LJ walks off the screen and Josh is uh, telling me how much he loves it. Byron Buxton. I mean, come on. Another guy who, if he was on pace to at least be in the MVP conversation until he got hurt and Jose or and Shohei Otani was Shohei Otani. But I think that Byron Buxton brings a value that might be greater than about 95% of players in the league. You're talking four and a half war through 61 games in the 2021 season. 1.2 defensive war. He is probably the best center fielder in the league when it comes to defense. Obviously, we're going to Trout is the best player in the league, best center fielder in the league. But, you know, people don't like to talk about it, but Giancarlo Stanton, or no, excuse me, Aaron Judge has played more games than Mike Trout since 2017. Not saying that he's injury prone, but if you were to make an accusation like that about Aaron Judge, you have to at least keep that in mind. So, um, not a Mike Trout hater whatsoever. Still one of my favorite players in the league, but uh, I, I had to get a little cheeky here and go Byron Buxton. Brandon, you're not a Mike Trout hater. You're just a flat-out hypocrite. Are you really about to pick Byron Buxton over Mike Trout because of injury history? No. I'm just that, being <laughs> I think Byron Buxton is going to stay healthy. understand my issue here. No, I and do. Frankly, that's the reason I it was a no-brainer for me to take Mike Trout because I trust him to get hurt or not get hurt more than I trust Byron Buxton. Okay. It's a good pick. The logic is just terribly flawed in that last part of the statement. And I knew that was where I was coming. I knew it was where I was going, too. I I took Trout as well. I took Trout as well. There is no player more gifted than him. There's no player that I've seen play out there more gifted than he is. He gets hurt a lot. But that's just because he legit goes all out no matter what kind of game it is. So he'll go flat out flying in the outfield for defense. So run around the bases at 100%. And that's what I absolutely love in a player. If he can stay healthy, he's going to win MVP this year. He will always be up there just because he's Mike Trout. The guy might be losing speed and might not be able to steal the bases he used to, but he still has one of the greatest swings we've ever seen, able to hit any baseball to any part of the field. He is gifted. He is a future Hall of Famer, and I think this is going to be another comeback year for Mike Trout if he can stay healthy and play at least three-quarters of the season because I know we all need off days here and there. All right, I'm going to go ahead and move over to right field as I made my defense of Mike Trout very clear there. Right field, and this is one, it doesn't pain me because he is one of my favorite players. We'll get into that Monday. Um Bryce Harper is going to be the best right fielder in the league this year. It's very hard. It is very hard to pick against Juan Soto, but I picked against Juan Soto. This is actually the exact same scenario as third base was for me between Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers. I see two guys that are very close, and one has 
significantly better protection around him, a significantly better team at his disposal than the other does. And so ultimately that's going to hinder Juan Soto's success as long as either he's in Washington or Washington is this bad. Interesting. All right. I went with Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I went Juan Soto. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to throw a joke in there. Um, you, you talk about how Juan Soto has nobody else in that lineup. He had that all last year. The real only big time hitter in that lineup was Josh Bell. But the stats don't lie. He set an on-base percentage of 465, led the league in 145 walks, just missed out on 30 homers, still in 95 RBIs, 157 hits, 20 doubles, but batted 313-151 games. He's finished top 10 in MVP voting the last three seasons. He legit on a losing team, one of the worst teams I saw in baseball last year, finished second MVP voting only beyond Bryce Harper, who played God-tier baseball last year. I, I don't think I've seen a player this young be this good in quite some time. And this is not saying that Mike Trout wasn't this. You're talking about a guy who was 19 years old, still batted 292 in a 20-plus home runs at the age of 19. It's Juan Soto is probably the best right fielder in the game of baseball. And this was honestly very hard because this is a position that's loaded with talent. Like you said, Bryce Harper. Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, so many fantastic right fielders. I had to go with Juan Soto. I'm going to cut in here real quick before Brandon goes and just say, I feel like Juan Soto is kind of getting like Ted Williams in a way where like he's such a feared hitter at this point that some of his hitting key hitting statistics are being taken away because so many people are afraid to pitch to him. I mean, you talk about those home runs. If he was, if people, if he, excuse me there had a little uh, mild stroke. Um, if he was treated the same as anyone else in that lineup when he went up to the plate, this guy's well over 30 homers. He'd be, he'd be breaking the 30 point, I fully believe, with his talent. I mean, it's just one of those situations where so many people are working around him that it's very hard for him to do a lot. But, Brandon? Yeah, you know, when, when you're walking about – Almost one time per game. I mean, that's that's a lot. That that's just getting a taken away from you right there, and that's not even the the pitches that you're able to swing at. Uh, it's it's nuts because both of you guys were talking about um, how deep the right field spot is, and while Juan Soto is my probably my favorite player in the league, um, you know, I think he's gonna have a good year, but I think that Ronald Acuna that this is finally um, his his time to show that he could put up a potential MVP winning season. And, you Brandon, know... Brandon just keeps poking holes in his Mike Trout debate. You know, Ronald Acuna is another generational talent who, like Soto, like Harper, like Betts and Judge and all those guys can hit the ball to all fields, provides value defensively. Acuna is actually a positive value defender for his entire career, which is surprising to me, especially sometimes when you watch him there. But he does have a nice arm, so I will give him that. But, you know, when, when you look at his career averages and for about 400 games played, he has 105 home runs. It's it's crazy that the guys already broke a hundred home runs in in less than four hundred games. Uh, the OPS plus is there, and just such an electric guy that hopefully now in that Braves Braves lineup, if he can stay healthy for the whole year, they've got a really deep lineup. Marcelo Zuna coming back potentially, so uh, you know another name to throw in there for a little extra lineup protection, but. Yeah, I like that we all picked uh, a different guys for right field. I think that was the one spot that um, I, w I would expect that. Okay, well, we've got one more position left. I'll go ahead and take run point on this one. I ended up pick picking Shohei Otani. I'm kind of hoping somebody else didn't because I'd like to hear – I'd like somebody to talk me out of it because I still, as great as he is, I, I never want to see this. 
I think with doing the double duty that he does, that makes you infinitely more prone to injuries that could affect you on either side of the game. And so that generally worries me about picking him in a prediction like this or putting money on him early in the season. So it's just, that's something that I very much, that's something I struggled with, but at the same time, I couldn't think of anyone better. Like there was no one that I could say flat out moves above him for me. Well, I'll make this very simple for you. And this is actually a player I think is going to be a permanent DH. He's not going to go play the outfield. And that's Jordan Alvarez. He, he's very, very good. If he can stay healthy, I, I see him kind of up in the tier that you see Juan Soto, a guy who will draw counts deep and kind of will be very feared to be pitched to because he can't both righties, both lefties for power. I think I've seen him hit some of the deepest home runs I've seen lefties hit in the past three years, all at Minute Maid Park, which is not necessarily a big feat, but he's hitting home runs into the third deck. The guy is incredibly strong. And unlike a lot of the other DHs we see in the game of baseball today, he's a legit designated hitter. He sucks in the outfield. You won't have to figure to see that anymore because you won't have to play the outfield against National League teams. So this is going to be a strict designated hitter you won't see him play anywhere else yeah i also picked jordan alvarez and what is the most surprising thing to me is that the guy is only 24 years old and he's already this bad in the field like he is genuinely so bad in the field at such a young age that he's unplayable out there and you know, I think that it had kind of an effect on him uh, in the World Series. Him having to play in the field, I think, threw him off. He was really unproductive in that series, uh, which was surprising because he won the MVP of the ALCS, was so big against the Red Sox, where he could play DH. And I think now, like you said, we have the universal DH back. Another guy here who has really only just hit since he's got up. I mean, there he hasn't done anything to show that he, there's any slowing down. Uh, certainly a really hard guy to pitch to. I mean, he's a six foot five, 225-pound guy. So he's certainly built uh, and looks like a DH. And just the, the extra base hits is what really does it for, for me. Uh, 35 doubles last year. His... Rookie season, 26 doubles in 87 games. Really impressive there. And uh, I think that this guy could be getting MVP votes this year. I know it's really hard for, for a DHs to be getting MVP votes. You have to really have a good season. But uh, I think that could be him this year. There's certainly uh, a world where he uh, can get in, in the top 10 in the MVP. Uh, but LJ, before we do anything, um, we have some news surrounding Jacob DeGrom. Uh, would you like to hear that, uh, Josh included? Yeah, let's 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 run through this because I'm not okay. too happy. Well, you guys let's... want to change your picks at all, though? I do. <laughs> well, loud. I'm kind of in here. All right, let's let, let's let Brandon read through this headline first. Jacob DeGrom to miss significant time with scapula injury. He will be shut down for the next four weeks from throwing and then will be reevaluated. All right, initial reaction. Re initial reaction. Does anybody remember where the scapula is? Um, no. No. Was that the thing that we like did like an insane amount of research in the middle of one of the shows last year on? Or no, that, that might have been the rotator cuff. <laughs> the scapula is like... It's in, it's in the shoulder. You show us on a, pod, show on a podcast. Back of shoulder, I want to say. It's like your shoulder blades, I think. Either I way, that's no bueno. No, it's not good. Um, And, you know, it's not good. My really quick 20-second reaction, it's not good for Jacob DeGrom and obviously not good for the Mets, uh, who already, you know, they had a nice starting five there. Uh, You know, they already... Had, had Bassett, but I don't know how I feel about Carlos Carrasco. I don't know how I feel about Tyler Miguel. 
Taiwan Walker had a pretty bad second half last year, so still a lot of uncertainty there. Uh, just a massive loss for the Mets. Uh, they could be reeling to start the season. Yeah, I would like to take this opportunity to change my pick to Carlos Rodon. Other than that, this is just this is this is a bummer for everybody involved because I just still remember all my life. Josh, I haven't gotten a chance to make this rant to you. I've made it too many times to Brandon. All my life, I've always said, man, I wish I could have just been a part of the baseball culture that used to get excited. And it would be like, it was an event every single time Pedro Martinez pitched. That's always something like, if I got to go back in time to an event in sports history or a time period in sports history, it's the Miracle on Ice. And then it's the Pedro era in, in Boston. And so this was kind of the closest thing we ever got. And it was so cool at the beginning of last season just to be able to watch him work. And who knows when we're going to get that opportunity again to see him in, in his entirety. You know, you're not wrong. I mean, DeGrom is extremely special. It, he's the kind of guy that is able to go out and dominate all lineups, set record upon record. Just sort of the amount of shout streaks he has going or strikeouts. I really wish this was an April Fool's joke. I really do. And what also made him really special is the fact that um, he wasn't even the pitcher coming up. He was a shortstop, and he turned into a pitcher, and he was fantastic. Multi-time all-star, and now he just can't stay healthy, and this honestly breaks me because the Mets are a team that needs him. I know that you're saying Scherzer and Bassett can fill the strengths, but beyond that, I have no trust in anybody. And that's an understatement because the Mets are a team that isn't a pitcher's friendly ballpark, in my opinion. I don't think that's very hitters friendly. And the pitchers make it seem hitter friendly outside of DeGrom. Scherzer is going to succeed in there. I think Bats is going to be very good. But outside of that, they're going to be very hurting. And to see DeGrom not being able to pitch, and especially the, the fact that he's getting up there in age now, it, it could be very close to where these injuries might be too much to recover from. I started laughing while you were talking because I kid you not, as you were saying the words, the notification comes up on my screen of Jeff Passan tweeting, wish, there were an, th wish this were an April Fool's joke, but no. I. I frankly didn't even see that, but I see that now. Amazing. But at least there's no damage to the muscles or tendons. Yeah, that, that, that's right. a great sign. It's just a matter of it physically healing now. Yeah. yeah, he says at the end of the tweet, certainly not as bad as it could have been. Uh, so that is good, but it's still, I mean, so a month shut down from throwing, and then you have to ramp back up for – the season like you're still ramping up in spring training because there's still a week until the games i mean are we talking what at least like could he mid-may like i would say at least seven weeks if i had if you if you asked me to guess seven weeks all right i mean i, I, I would i would think more because this is he was injured at the end of last season too was given time to heal he ran the throwing again, but I think it was too quick. I think they're going to wait and make sure he's fully healed, like almost the situation with Chris Dale and the Red Sox last year. Expect to return mid-June. Didn't come back until August. How much depends on if the, if the Mets are good or not, though, LJ? I think they're going to be decent no matter what, but I think we've already talked about this. They didn't win the offseason. I said they didn't win the offseason because they did all this stuff. But in order for them to actually win the division, the Braves would have had to have taken a step back, and the Braves didn't. So you're already playing for a wild card. That puts you in a good enough position that I think you're going to be decent. And so if you have to wait until June to get Jacob DeGrom back, you're going to be fine. Well, uh, I think that that is going to wrap up this show. Very productive. Got, a got through a lot of different topics. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Josh, for coming on. Uh, Josh, do you want to plug any of your personal social medias uh, to check out? Um, sure, I would be glad to. You can follow me on Insta at Walmer00 on my Twitter at Josh Walmer. 
And for those of you who actually have the ColorCast app, a broadcasting app, I know LG does, you can follow me on there, Wilmer00. I'm broadcasting a ton of games, including uh, some, March, um, some March Madness games going forward. So we hope to see many of you there. Sounds great. Well, thank you guys for listening. We will be back on Monday with our favorite players episode. And then Wednesday night, LJ and I will sit down and go through our preseason primer to get you ready for opening day on Thursday. We are so excited. We can't wait. But thank you guys for listening once again. Episode 261 in the books. And we'll see you. See ya. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.